0: Welcome back to the Angry Christian Podcast. This past Sunday, on March 7th, 2021, I was asked to preach at the church that I'm serving at as the Praise Team leader. I wanted to share this message with all of you because I think this is something the church is struggling with at a deep level in today's society. The message is titled, What's Love Got to Do With It? And it is a challenge to the church to learn to love again. Now, here's, well, me, (laughs) with What's Love Got to Do With It? Thank you, Pastor Robert. And thank you all for showing up today, and uh, it's a beautiful day outside, and you could have chosen to be at the lake, Um, but you chose to be here with other believers and to gather, and that's exciting. Um, So today's sermon, or spiritual vitamin, or whatever you call it, I don't know what he calls it. He calls it spiritual vitamin. Uh, (laughs) It's titled, What's Love Got to Do With It? What's love got to do? Back in 1984, some of you, especially you, Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts are too young, perhaps, to remember, but there was a song that hit the radio by a lady named Tina Turner. Anybody here know that song? It was titled, What's Love Got to Do With It? And there was a part of the song that goes, What's love got to do, got to do with it? Right? What's love but a second-hand emotion? Anybody? We remember that song. I remember that song. I was a kid, but I remember that song. Unfortunately, it would seem that Tina Turner may not have actually understood what love is. Because if she'd really understood what love was about, she would know that it was more than a second-hand emotion, right? She would know that it was more than words. She would know that love has everything to do with it especially for us as believers. Another song, perhaps 10 years later, or it's a little less than 10 years later, 1992 was released by a Christian band. It was one of my favorite bands back in the 90s. DC Talk. Anybody remember DC Talk? Uh, they were an interesting group out of Liberty University in Virginia, and they released a song titled Love is a Verb. They spelled it L-U-V, Love, love is a Verb. And in the song, they say, words come easy but don't mean much when the words they're saying we can't put trust in. And then it concludes that love is more than words, that love is a verb. Now, what exactly is a verb? It's been a long time since I've been in school, so uh, I had to look it up. Uh, my wife, she was the English major, thankfully. I, I was the guy who barely got through school. Um, But she would be the ones that had to go through all of my college papers and make sure that I didn't have any grammatical errors and looking for proper word usage. Uh, So the word verb means that it's a word that shows action or a state of being. So if love is a verb, that means that love is actually an action and not an emotion. There may be feelings that you get when you're in love. There may be feelings you get when you love another person, but love itself is an action. The problem in today's world is that we use this word to describe a lot of things, don't we? We use the word to describe how we feel about that hamburger that we just ate at Matt's Burgers down here in Somerville. If anybody's eating there, it's the best. I recommend getting the one covered with all the chili. You'll regret it for the day, but in the moment, it'll be great. But we use it to describe the word food that we eat. We use it to describe the movie that we just watched. I love that movie. I'm a big Goonies fan. I love that movie. We use the word to describe how we feel about another person. I love my wife. We use the word to describe many things. And unfortunately, what this means is that the word word love gets tossed around and used in so many different ways that it's in danger of actually losing its true meaning. But it's not only the world that doesn't understand love. The church often doesn't understand it either. And I'm the church, so I'm speaking to me. I'm not just speaking to us. We are the church. And it's troubling because loving God and loving others is actually a command that we have been given in Scripture. Now, I hope you guys don't mind, but I'm going to do a lot of Bible verses today. Is that okay? I'd rather let God's word speak than just me giving my own opinion. So I want to put a lot of weight on what God has to say on the matter. And in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, it says, So now, I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, if there's anything that you're going to write down today, if you write during Messages which I encourage you to do because if your memory is anything like mine, you may forget. Just write down these scriptures. These are like gold in the Bible. John 13, 13, 34 through 35, and as we see in there, Jesus has actually commanded us to love one another. Not only did he command us to love one another, but he said that it would be the one way that we would prove to the world that we were his. The one way. If we, the church, don't understand the word love, how can we love one another and prove to the world that we are his disciples? Because that's what he said would be the proof. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest command? He said the following in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says something interesting. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Have you ever looked at the commandments and noticed that if you just look at the ten commandments, that every one of those has to do with either loving God or loving others? And Jesus points that out here. And it's interesting to me that he makes that a very clear point that we must first love God And then love others, and even more fascinating that the law hinges on those things. But did you know that by loving others, loving others, that we're actually loving God in the process? In Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 through 40, he says, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, You were doing it to me. Remember, love is an action. It's a verb. And when we love others through these things, we're loving him. That's his word. He said it, not me. Take it up with God. And think about what this means. Anytime that we care for someone else, we love them. Anytime we show compassion on them, we love them. Or as Pastor Robert has been trying to encourage us towards and teaching us when we see a need and we meet that need we are not only loving that person we are loving god and the whole reason that we love others is because god actually first loved us this is whole circle of love going on in first john chapter 4 verses 9, 9 through 12 god showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him This is real love, it says. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Love is a command. It's not just a command, but when we love God, we love others. And not only that... But we are helping lead others to him as he lives in us and through us, through our love. That's what First John 4 is saying there. But by loving others, he is expressed through us, to others, to one another. So we're talking a lot about love, but what exactly does love look like? If love is not an emotion, like Tina thinks, but an action, what will this look like in the life of me or you as a believer? Where do we look to find unity in understanding what real love looks like when everyone seems to have their own idea of what that is? Thankfully, for you and me, and for the world, the Bible actually addresses this. And that's a good thing, because we can turn to that. We can turn to God's word, his standard of what love is. We don't have to guess. He tells us. So what is love? First and foremost, God is love. God himself is the very embodiment of love, and to know God is to know love. According to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So to know love, we have to know God, and when we know God, we know love. It's this, again, this whole circle of love. I think uh, Michael Jackson would be proud to heal the world with love. Second, love is sacrificial, not selfish. Love seeks the welfare of someone else over themselves. According to Jesus, the greatest act of love is the sacrificing of your life for somebody else. John chapter 15, verse 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this is a hard one. No one wants to think about dying. I don't want to think about dying. I feel like I'm too young to even get into that realm. But as a father and as a husband... I can tell you right now that I would much rather give my life if it meant saving the lives of my children and my wife. These are hard things, but what Jesus is doing is he's actually giving the greatest picture of sacrificial love that could be imagined because you know what? When he was saying this, he was preparing his disciples for what he was going to be doing. He himself was going to be sacrificing his life for the very people that were around him and for you and me. As mentioned, We love others because we were first loved. So we love as Christ loved us. And finally, third, love is the fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. You've probably heard this, I think, and you'll see here, the fruits of the Spirit are behind me as well. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, that's not the fruit of the Spirit passage. This one is, though. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And the reason I wanted to put those two together, because 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul is actually describing what love is. And then in Galatians chapter 5, Paul is actually giving what the fruit of the Spirit is. And if you noticed how similar the two were when they were describing love and describing the fruit of the Spirit. But it's true, these are simple but beautiful words. And in my mind, it gives a clear picture of exactly what love looks like. When I read these words, faces of people I've met and known come to my mind who displayed these very things to me. You know, there's a, there was a, a moment a couple weeks ago which inspired me to put gravel down in my driveway. And that was, it rained a lot. And I live out in the country, and my driveway is practically a gi- giant mud pit. And I got my, my car stuck in my driveway. It's never happened. Lived there for four years. But It got so mushy and so squishy, my little Toyota Camry was like, nope, I'm not leaving. I'm staying here. Just so happened that there was an individual that was driving by in a big old truck, saw me struggling because I started to get out and put like sticks and things underneath my tires so I could get some traction. And he stops. He says, you need some help? I was like, you think? (laughs) Was it that obvious? I said, yeah, man, I could really appreciate the help. He's like, all right, cool. Now he's pulling out chains and tow ropes and all sorts of things. He's like, let me tie that on. And, you know, he pulled me right out. And what he doesn't know is that in that simple act of kindness, he demonstrated love to me. He may, he may have known, but God used him to speak to me in that moment about kindness and sacrifice. Because he was on his way somewhere. Like he was driving and he, I saw him do a U-turn. So he actually turned around and came back to help me. But you know what? It's easy to love those who love me in return. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 33, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. The real test of love is when we are faced with loving others and doing good to others who do not return that love and kindness. Are you patient and kind with those who maybe you disagree with vehemently or call you names to your face? Or do you respond harshly and, and abrasively and you want to see if you can one-up their name-calling? Do you keep records of those who wronged you? Do you get excited when injustices happen to someone who was unjust to you? Do you lose absolute control over your words and your actions when you're around someone who wants to argue and fight every time they're with you. If we want to know if we are truly loving others, we should ask ourselves if we are putting into practice and putting on display the fruit of the Spirit in all occasions. Not just with those who return that love. Because if not, then we're not really loving others. We're only doing it to those who return it. And as Jesus said, that's easy to do. And if we're not loving others, then we're not loving God. So, what happens when we do not love others? First, when we do not love others, we actually push people away. When love is not in our words and in our actions, we become an irritant to others and gain nothing more than that. (laughs) We gain nothing and no one in that process. How do I know? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the first three verses If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could actually move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. According to Paul, we can speak all the truth we want. We can speak in languages of people in heaven, angels, and of every nation. We can prophesy things. We can, we can have all of the knowledge of God and have faith that actually moves mountains. You remember when Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, cast yourself into the sea, and it does. We could have that. But if any of that lacks love, and if we do not love others, we are just being annoying and we gain nothing. We do actually more harm than good. We could be speaking truth to somebody about something, but if it lacks love, we're actually doing more harm than if we had spoken the truth in love. None of this matters. None of these things that I listed in 1 Corinthians matters if love is missing and not at the core of it. Second, and most importantly, John tells us something very difficult in 1 John chapter four twenty. I didn't read it earlier, but I'm going to read it now. And what he tells us is something that happens when we do not love others. In fact, I'll even say this. It pains me a little bit to even read this. But it's God's word, and it's something that we all have to wrestle with. And here's what it says. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? What John is saying is pretty blunt. He didn't mince his words there. It was not sugar-coated. He is saying that if we say we love God, but we don't love others, we are proven to be liars about loving God. That's a hard thing to hear. It's a hard pill to swallow. Who wants to be called a liar? Raise your hand. I don't see any hands. Nobody wants to be a liar, right? I don't want to be a liar. Certainly not me. This isn't something that we can judge in others either, by the way. It is something that we'll have to wrestle within ourselves and let the Holy Spirit convict and mold our hearts so that we truly live out that fruit of the Spirit, the things that produce the love to others. So where does this leave us, the conclusion? Tina asked, what's love got to do with it? And in response to that, I have to say that it has everything to do with it. Everything. I don't just say that because that's how I feel or it's my opinion. It really isn't. I say it because that's what God says in his word. That's what he spoke to us. That's what he inspired these men to write in the pages that we read in the Bible. And you can read it, the New Testament. You can read it actually all the way to Genesis through Revelation. And love and redemption and all these things are at the core of everything you see from from the first cover to the back cover. Everything. And as we've seen and what we've read today, love is what we've been commanded to do. We've got to love God, and we have to love others. Love is what God uses as an indicator to the world that we're his disciples and helps to draw people into a relationship with him. That's what he uses. And loving others outwardly demonstrates to others that we actually love God and demonstrates to God that we love God. So in short, what's it got to do with it? Everything. I wanted to say one more thing, and this is, that was my last point, but there was something I wanted to, because when I initially was asked to preach, um, I think Boy Scouts were going to be in the first service, and then it got flipped. But there's a, there's a passage in 1 Timothy 4.12, and I just wanted to give this to you guys specifically, and those who are, are younger in this congregation today. 1 Timothy 4.12, Paul is saying this to a guy named Timothy, who was a pastor that, uh, a young friend of his, who he called a son in the faith. It was somebody he had mentored and discipled, and he was a part of a little town called Ephesus. And he had released him into this town to be a pastor there. But this is something that he says to Timothy that I think as young guys and young girls that we need to know and be reminded of. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say. In the way that you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. You can be the example. And if you want to see love returned, we have to give that love as well. So that's my encouragement to you all, and that's my encouragement to, to the, the young ones in this room as well. And, but love is something that we all must, must take on. Because that's what the world's going to know us by. And I'd rather they know us by our love than what we're against. I want to say a huge thank you to Jonathan Hamlet, Robert Platt, Michael Ledford, and Brian Baldwin for taking the journey with me and helping me host the Angry Christian Podcast. Another big thanks goes out to Simon Panrucker for his song, Angry Dance, and to Scott Holmes for his song, Clear Progress, that we use at the beginning and the end of the show. All other music is produced by the Angry Christian crew. And finally, the show wouldn't be possible without you, our listeners. Thank you for taking the journey with us.